This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. Today's topic is one that I resonate so deeply with. And I've brought my friend Katie Reed. She is going to bring so much wisdom and experience and encouragement to this topic. And she has written a book called Made Like Martha, Good News for the Woman Who Gets Things Done. And we just want to speak to you if you are feeling overwhelmed with life, if you struggle with worry, if you are like me and you're a problem solver and a fixer and you just struggle to sit at Jesus' feet and you're more of just the get things done, doer type of person, which by the way, I should just put out there, there's nothing wrong with that. But how do we kind of find that balance of being and doing, resting in the Lord while also being productive? And I want to just dive into that today. Um, So Katie, I'm so glad that you are here. And for people who might not know who you are, if you just take a few minutes to introduce yourself. Well, thanks so much for having me, Crystal. It's a blast to be here. And I'm Katie Reed. I live in the middle of Michigan. I'm married to Adam. We're both firstborns, which that's not (laughs) supposed to work out so well, but he's much more of a laid back firstborn, although we both can be stubborn. But by God's grace, it's working out. We just celebrated 20 year anniversary. Congratulations. Thanks. We have five kids. We have girls are our bookends. So our oldest is a senior. She's 17. Our youngest is a kindergartner. And then we have three lively boys in between. I'm an author, speaker, podcast host, worship leader, 
We used to be a public school teacher. Now we homeschool and some of our kids go to public school. I'm not bored, Crystal. <laughs> that, that's, that's the gist of it. You know, I wonder if it goes along with kind of this topic of, you know, somebody wrote into me the other day and they're like, I'm just really struggling with being bored and I'm not really sure if you have some advice for me. And I just had to laugh because I was like, I really got nothing for you because I can't imagine being bored. Right. You know, Crystal, when our kids say they're bored, we tell they get a chore because we're like, there's so many things you could do. Right. And it is fine to be bored, I guess, sometimes. Right. We need margin in our lives. But I'm the same way. I've been that way since I was little, just kind of a driven person. And um, yeah, I love a to-do list. (laughs) And especially the checking things off the to-do list, not just the to-do list, but the like that marking, that physical act of marking things through, it's just, it's it's the best. But I think sometimes we can get a little bit too much on that side, at least I know I can, where you're driven to the point of that it can be an unhealthy thing. And I, I really feel like that's probably where this book, Made Like Martha, came out of. And and some people might be saying, okay, hold up, who is Martha? So let, let's start there. Absolutely. So there's a story in the Bible in Luke 10 verses 38 through 42. And Jesus is at this home of Martha and her sister Mary and their brother Lazarus. And what we know from scripture is that these were good friends of Jesus. He There's several interactions he has with them. And Martha, it's interesting because as I was doing research for this book, there's speculation that these sibling sets might've been orphaned mm-hmm. because it was very rare in biblical times for them to be unmarried. Mm. You know, either all their spouses died, right? Or some people say they could have been a part of a certain like sect, Mm -hmm. (laughs) S-E-C-T. But I think, because we dive into this in the book, that maybe, you know, their parents had passed away. So Martha is mentioned first, so she was probably the firstborn girl. And Jesus and his disciples come to their home, and she's like, the hostess with the mostest, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can just picture her busy getting everything ready for company. And her sister is sitting and listening at Jesus's feet. And Martha's busy getting things done. And she goes to Jesus and she's like, um, can you tell my sister to help me? Like I've been left all alone to do all these things. And Crystal, I really wanted Jesus to say, Martha, you are right. Mary, <laughs> You know, stop doing, stop listening to me and come help your sister. But that's not what he says. He says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted about so many things, but one thing's necessary and Mary has chosen it. Well, Crystal, I did not like this passage because I wanted the story to go differently because, I mean, haven't you, we all been there maybe at Thanksgiving, like Obviously, there's some men that cook. I'm not doing stereotypes, but I'm just saying, have you ever like worked really hard at something and maybe your family or friends are just relaxing mm-hmm. and you're like, can get resentful, mm-hmm. right? Would you please just come? If you come help, I can then relax too with you guys. But in Christian circles, especially, this story has been taken out of context because it's like we read into more than what was there. And we it's like we said, oh, Mary being more like Mary, being more relational, that must be better than being task-oriented because Jesus corrected Martha in this instance. But I believe it was more like he was cupping her face and saying, Martha, Martha, like there's a better way here. Mm. Out of love, like just with our kids. If we see them doing something and it's not 
maybe the best way, or they're so stressed out. We want to help them to do things differently. So I don't think he was even telling her to sit down. Mm -hmm. I think he was inviting her to rest on the inside. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, Crystal, but that is resting is hard for me because I love to get things done, but I also carry the weight of the world on my shoulders, Mm -hmm. like ultra responsible. And so just I guess in a nutshell, Martha's more kind of task-oriented, Mary's more relational, although they both, I'm sure, had those cross-tendencies. But there's nothing wrong, like you said earlier, with being wired that way. But Jesus doesn't want us to live as a ball of stress and worry and distraction because he came and died for us to forgive us, but also to give us the abundant life and to be able to experience peace because he is our peace. Well, and you talked about how we can just take so much on our shoulders. We kind of feel like it's our job to make sure that everything is going well for everyone. And so that can then cause a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, and a lot of worry. And one of the quotes early on in your book that just, I was like, I need to blow this up and put this all over the house. But it was just a simple quote of worship suffocates worry. I love that. I think so many of us, if we were to analyze our thoughts throughout the day, there's a lot of worry. Talk to us about what it looks like to worship instead of worry and and why worship suffocates worry. Yeah. Well, I think first of all, for all of you listening that are worriers, I think you can relate to this. Worry was my default emotion for so long. And I think part of it was I am a problem solver. So it's, I want to fix things. And so I look at all the angles of what might happen so I can adjust the plan and help out with that. But worry, it's like it promises us, oh, you know, worry about this and figure it out kind of, or it it makes us feel like we're being productive, but it actually is like this beast that the more we feed it, the more it grows. And it's actually not productive. Like it can give us a stomach ache. It can rob us of sleep as we worry and worry and worry. It kind of gets us nowhere fast. But I so relate that worry can be the easier thing to do. And I always say there was like this well-worn path in my brain that just knew how to worry. I was like a professional worrier. We had a situation with our youngest child where, you know, I've I've had multiple children. I didn't, you know, I thought, hey, I've got this down, like a lot to learn, but still the basics I've got down. I took her to a doctor's appointment. And have you ever been in a situation, Crystal, where someone's talking to you and you're trying to process the words, but it's like the room has stopped and you're like, this is not good, but like, I don't know what's happening. You just kind of freeze. Well, that's what happened. My doctor's pretty laid back doctor, but he said, we don't usually see this in the United States. I was like, what? But she was flatlining in her height and her weight. And she Mm. looked chubby, Crystal. Like, But he goes, feel her, the back of her like neck. And you could pull the skin, but she Mm. looked chubby. He goes, now do that with your son. And he had like muscle and whatever. Mm. He said, her fat is like going to her brain because she's not getting enough calories. And again, Mm. I'm like, I'm feeding her. Like what is happening? And so we got her on like Pediasure. She just needed more calories. And it was crazy, but we didn't know how it was going to turn out. He's talking about like growth hormones and like, she really needs to gain weight. And she was short. Like, and I was like, is she just short? 
are we concerned? What's going on? And so what, what did I do? Of course, I started worrying and thinking through worst case scenarios. I called my friend Nikki and I told her about this and she prayed for me. And she said, Katie, where worry has been appetizing to you, I pray that you lose your appetite for it. Mm. And I, it, it's like, again, the room stopped, but this time in a good way of like, what was that? And so God showed me, it was like this mangy dog was at my table and named Worry. And I would feed him these scraps under the table. And as I fed him, worry, I mean, with this health situation, worry, 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 it grew into this unruly beast. And so God gave me this phrase, we can starve worry when we feast on worship. Mm. And so instead of my brain going to this common pathway that it liked to circle around, it's like, what would it look like when faced with a worrisome situation to stop and choose a different path? And I believe that is a worship. And worship is reminding yourself who God is, even if the circumstance doesn't change. Mm. You know, and some people might be like, well, what good is that? Right? But we have all these what if worries that buzz around us all the time. What if this happens? What if this Especially, I think, as moms, there's so many things to worry about, especially in this day and age. But I love the story in the Bible about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where they, this, you know, king wanted them to bow down to him. And they're like, we're not going to do it. And so they were going to be thrown in the furnace. And they said, even if we're burned in the furnace, like we know God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we're still going to follow him. And so it's kind of that same thing. So I was faced with this worrisome situation with my daughter, like, is she going to grow? What's going to happen? And so it felt a little awkward at first, Crystal, but I was like, remembering who God is. He's faithful. He's loving I don't know. The future is unknown. I can still praise him for who he is. And it was really one of the first times that I had to, it was like lassoing my thoughts and be like, mm. no, 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 no. Because they wanted to run down that path to look a different way and be like, I'm going to worship instead. And as that worship grows, it's going to suffocate those worries. It doesn't mean it wasn't a worrisome situation or that there weren't concerns. I'm not saying like a Pollyanna type of la, 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 like everything's <laughs> fine. But it gave me as a doer something to do instead of just, you know, fixate on all that could go wrong. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there are a lot of times when we're worrying and we just don't even realize that we're worrying? Oh, absolutely. You know, my husband helps me with this because it's just common to me, you know, to do those things. And he's like, sometimes it's like, what's going well right now? I'm like, oh, and it like literally mm. helps me stop that cycle. And again, not a Pollyanna thing, like everything's fine, but just go, okay, wait, there's another way to look at this as well. You know, this situation with our daughter, it was an opportunity to trust God. Mm -hmm. It was an opportunity of, I didn't know what was going on. Obviously, I didn't even know there was an issue. I was concerned about her height, but I didn't know she was losing fat because she still looked rolly, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and the situation did turn out well. Like she got more calories. She grew an inch in a month. She gained three pounds. Her teeth started coming in. She had like a raspberry birthmark that went away. Her hair started coming in. But that wasn't really the point. The mm. point was in that moment that God helped me see a different way of operating that felt really foreign, but had such good fruit as a result. Because if I had just kept worrying, like, I get grouchy. I am not as available for other people. And what 
And sometimes our fears actually do happen. Mm-hmm. We adopted our fourth child, but before we adopted him, we had a failed adoption attempt. And Crystal, that was my worst fear with adoption, that it would be turned to a lifetime movie mm-hmm. <laughs> that I had seen. And the thing about even if that worst fear happens, I still don't understand why that happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we wouldn't have had our other son if that would have happened, but it just was one of those kind of moments of like, I don't know what you're doing, God, and this feels awful. Mm-hmm. But finding out that he held, God held, he was Mm -hmm. faithful. So even though it didn't all make sense, actually walking through that worst fear and me still standing here with you today, you know, that turns into worship. Even though the worries were everywhere, swarming, begging for our attentions, like, God, I don't know what you're doing here, but I believe you are who you say you are, and I'm going to choose to worship you. I love how you talked about as a doer, you know, we, we like to have plans and we like to have something to do. And this is something that we can do. But for someone who's listening, who the concept of worship, they don't even know where to start with that or what that even means or what that could practically look like. Can you just flesh that out a little bit more? Right. So worship can look a lot of different ways. It's basically as my friend Nikki Homan talks about, worship is loving God back. And I love that because I think we can complicate it so much. So it could be turning on some worship music that acknowledges who he is and praising him. It could be going for a walk and just enjoying nature and thanking him for how he attends to detail. It could be journaling. It could be reading your Bible. It could be praying with a friend. It's like it's turning your thoughts you know, to who God and who he is and just sending up an SOS. <laughs> God help. I, I feel like I'm drowning. I don't know what to do in this situation. I know you're able to rescue me from it, but you might not. And so it's going to him to do the heavy lifting instead of carrying it on our shoulders because Crystal, our shoulders were not meant to carry the weight of the world. That's why Jesus came, because we physically weren't designed to carry all these worries and stressors. And so transferring that responsibility can feel really scary for women like us who are ultra-responsible and dependable. But are we trying to figure it all out and fix everything? Or are we leaning on the one who actually knows how it's all going to turn out? I've talked recently on Instagram some about like relying on the Lord and giving my day to God and just really letting Him fill me up and living out of that. And I've heard from a lot of women who they're saying, you know, I love that concept, but I don't even know how to actually do that. Like, what does it mean to rely upon the Lord? And you gave us some real practical things of worship, but I'd love for you to talk a little bit more as a doer. How have you let go of that burden and that weight of feeling like it's all on you to carry everyone else and make sure it all works out? Right. Well, there are three powerful words, Crystal, that we all know, but we're not great at practicing them. And the first one is yes. Okay. So this might seem weird. You're like, how am I going to stress less <laughs> if I'm saying yes? But we want to say yes to those things that we've been entrusted with, right? Like only I can be my husband's wife and my kid's mom. I might not have to serve on five committees. 
I might not have to bake 200 cupcakes for school. Now, some women love that, but it's not saying yes to everything. And right now, it's a very exciting time to be a woman, right? There's all these opportunities that we see, but I can't feasibly grow organic vegetables, sew my kids' clothes, run a business. Like, there's some things I need to let go of. And so the first is we want to say yes to those sacred assignments we've been entrusted with, but we want to say no to guilt and manipulation. And so many times I've said yes, because I'm trying to prove my worth or I've said yes, because I do, you know, maybe you're a single mom and you're like, well, it'd be nice to say no to some things, but what's going to happen, you know, if, if I don't do these things, but ask yourself, why am I saying yes? Is it because this is part of that God-given responsibility or am I going above and beyond and managing things I was really never even asked to? So so we want to say yes to God-given assignments. We want to say no to guilt and manipulation. And then this is, I think, one of the hardest ones for us is to say help. Mm. And when you're a get-it-done person, asking for help does not feel good or you feel like it makes you appear weak. But when we ask for help, it makes room for others to grow in their leadership skills. Like, for example, when I started writing, it took a lot more of my time. And so my husband told the kids, mom's not doing the dishes anymore. You guys are going to take turns. And at first I felt guilty. Mm -hmm. And then they started doing it, Crystal, and it wasn't the way I would have done it. (laughs) And so my, my dad still reloads when I load the dishwasher at his house. But I'm like, I had to let go and Mm -hmm. say, okay, I can try to do everything and it's not going to work and I'm going to burn out or I can make room for others to step up. Now, they might not do it the way I would, but I want to give them that opportunity. And so delegation is not weak. It's actually wise. Mm. And we see that, you know, in Jesus' life too. He did lots of things. He did not do all the things. He knew what his assignments were and he did those. And so... I think with worry, sometimes it is there's just too much we're managing. And so how could we collaborate with someone? I mean, maybe it would even be like if, you know, let's say you're in a really busy season, you know, writing a book or, you know, with foster care, maybe that looks like a friend coming over and you folding laundry together. You're having quality time, like to work smarter, not necessarily harder to double our strength instead of divide it. And sometimes that can really help alleviate some of those worries. And I don't know about you, Crystal, but a lot of times the worries are just up in my head swarming. And when I actually vocalize them, even just sharing that burden with a friend can help me relax. Mm -hmm. You know, to know that it's not all up to me to figure this out. Mm -hmm. I think those things can dispel some of those worries when we look at our schedule and just bring some order to it. I want to say yes to some things, no to some things, but where are the areas where I'm really struggling and I need help? And what would that help look like? Because having someone come alongside you in something like that or offering to help somebody else, it helps you get out of that cycle of just the, what if this, what if that, or they might have a great creative solution to help you. I know you're great at that crystal of creative solutions. Like I still, when I start to like save a piece of paper, like Crystal would tell me to like do something with this, right? File it away. And that helps alleviate stress. Mm -hmm. So yes, no, and help. Simple, simple words, but can make such a difference. I know there are people listening though, who are saying, okay, that all sounds good, but how do I know what to say yes to? 
because I feel like I have way too many things that I need to say yes to. Right. I went to a women's retreat once and she had this exercise I think is really helpful to write down all the things you're currently doing. And I remember writing it down and I felt really proud. Crystal is like, <laughs> I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and isn't this great? And she goes, now look at that list again, circle only the things you can do. Mm. Only the things that like you have to be the one to do it. And it was amazing the things that it didn't have to be me, right? And she goes, now look at the things that, you know, maybe someone else could do. Could someone else do that at at least like 60 to 80% capacity? If so, let some of that go. Now, I'm not talking about usurping things that we've been entrusted to or we feel like God wants us to do, but to really look at, again, what can I do? What could someone else do? Like with the dishwasher, it was kind of a 60% capacity <laughs> thing, literally, like they did not fill it all the way. Um, and then, you know, what are some things that just, they might be for another season, but right now, I mean, you've helped me with this too, Crystal. You're like, you have 24 hours in the day. You don't have more mm. than some people. And so what does that look like? And I think women that worry or even those that, you know, get things done and are driven to do, oftentimes we struggle with rest mm. because it feels like if I rest, everything will fall apart. It's all hanging in the balance. But rest is this gift that God gave us. And this is why I have to tell myself, because I've seen it in my own life. If I rest, I'm actually going to be more productive later. So that's motivating to me. But it's a gift to rest. And it's an act, it's an exercise of worship. It's trusting that God's going to keep working even when I'm not. And sometimes that's just super hard, but it's life-giving because we're not the Savior. It's not all up to us. We can show God, just with even sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap, right? That's what John Ortberg says. And sometimes Adam will even say to me, you might need to go take a nap as I start worrying and revving up. And sometimes I get irritated, but I told him early on in our marriage, I'm like, if I'm ever being this way, just nicely tell me I might need to go rest. Mm -hmm. I have a 20 minute power nap and I come back with a clear head. But if I'm just trying to power through that stressful decision, like, just, I can feel my hormones raging and I, you know, just start saying things I shouldn't. Sometimes we just need that pause to really evaluate and to also realize when we say yes, what are the hours and the commitment attached to it? I'm sure you get this all the time. Lots of opportunities mm -hmm. you could do with work, but you can't say yes to all of them because then you're saying no to those things that only you can do. And so I think that can be a gauge too, to pause before you proceed yield before you say yes and really think through what does this yes mean? Like if I say I'm going to ho make homemade cookies for the, my kid's class, that sounds fine. But what does that mean time-wise? Getting the ingredients. Could I just buy them at the store? Could a friend and I do it together? Mm. Because I think we're just excited to say yes. We can get addicted to that. Mm. And then we're like, oh yeah, that yes was a three-hour time mm -hmm. commitment. Pause before you proceed, yield before you say yes. And I think a lot of times if we just are feeling that anxiety rising, I know for me to just take that pause and say, you know, what's going on here? Like, why am I actually feeling this? And you said sometimes just actually verbalizing what we're feeling and then you're like, oh, that's kind of silly, <laughs> you know, but just getting it out there. 
or it's that I've taken too much on. I'm not asking for help or I'm not relying upon the Lord. And I feel like a lot of times for me, it's kind of a conglomeration of all three. I'm not, I need to really be releasing to the Lord how I'm trying to take this on me. I also need to ask for some help and I also need to just verbalize whatever it is I'm feeling, get it out there. And then usually I'll feel better as well and maybe take a nap because it does. Oftentimes when I will feel the most anxiety or that I'm just not being able to focus and be calm, it's just that I'm tired. Right. And so, yes, relying upon the Lord, but also resting in Him. I was thinking as you were talking about rest is actually reliance upon God and how me, every week I try to have some Sabbath time. And that is me actually saying, it's that physical act of saying, God, I trust you that this is not all up to me and you are going to allow me to get done what I need to get done in the time that you've given me. And I can lay it aside, all the to-do list or whatever, lay it aside and just trust you with it. I think with work, especially, it's been good for me to just shut it down and to realize that, you know, it's God's anyway in the first place. And he's the one that's in charge of it all. And all the money and income and all of the numbers and all that, he's in charge of it. He's in control of it. And when I actually physically just lay it aside and say, okay, God, I trust you with it. A lot of times it'll be the thing where something will do really well. Some other site will share something or, or some deal will go crazy on Facebook. And, and I'll be like, I couldn't have, you know, if I had worked for 12 hours yesterday, I couldn't have manufactured that sort of thing. And it's like God saying to me, yeah, just trust me. Right. I've got this. Well, it's so funny, Crystal, because I, this happened to me and God used you to answer it. I was looking at my Instagram feed and like, I try not to get hung up in the numbers, but it's hard because you want what you're sharing to resonate. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, God, you know, I enjoy doing this, but like, it would be nice. I mean, just kept hovering over this, like one number and like, then I'd have weird people follow. So I'd block them. So then it would Mm -hmm. go down and all this stuff. And so all of a sudden I opened my Instagram and like, everyone's just flooding to my account. I'm like, what's happening? Oh, Crystal shared this quote about worry suffocating or worship suffocating worry. And I just had to laugh because that was nothing I did. It was just Mm -hmm. your generosity and sharing it. And I think those are just God winks of like, rest in me. Mm-hmm. I've got this. Like you do what I've asked you to do. I love our friend Jennifer Dukes Lee said this once where she was like taking a mile and giving God an inch. Mm-hmm. And she goes, what if I give God a mile and he's asking me to do the inch? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes as women who get things done, we burn out unnecessarily, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's when we get into that territory of like, God, I got it. Like mm-hmm. I'm your girl. I'm dependable. I'm going to do all these things. If I can share one last story, mm-hmm. Crystal. So we live in an A-frame home. It was built in 1976. The year I was born, it has like two little wings on the side and it has its original orange shag carpeting, <laughs> which is not great for the allergies, but like you can leave your shoes on if you come over, if we lose, you know, Cheetos or anything, it's fine. <laughs> but I was talking to um, my friend, Jamie Amarine, and she was talking about grace in a way that sounded too good to be true because I struggled with like just trying to keep, you know trying to keep 
got happy by all this behavior and doing all the right things. And so there's this picture in my mind's eye of when Jamie and I are talking and there I am trying to get ready for company and like scrambling around, like getting all these things ready. And I turn around and again, this just in my mind's eye picture, there's Jesus sitting on a lazy boy reading a newspaper. I'm like, great. He's not helping me. It's like the modern day Martha story, right? And he's like, Katie, come sit and just relax. And in my head, I was thinking of the Bible verse that says, well, faith without works is dead. I'm like telling Jesus like, hey, don't you remember like there's things to do? I've got company coming over. And he's like, Katie, there's time for that. But you've forgotten that I'm not company to impress. Mm -hmm. I'm family to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And as someone who's a doer, I can be intense, serious, and God wants to remind me, like, enjoy me. And then there are things to do, but you do them from a place of being loved, not to get that love. Because that, that changed everything for me, Crystal, of like, he was showing me grace is a gift or grace is a gift to be received. It's not this prize to be earned. And all of a sudden, a lot of my worries dissipated, although then I was kind of worried because I'm like, what do I do if I don't have to do all these things? Like, I felt a little lost. But he was just reminding me of, you know, enjoy me. And I think that's what Mary was doing in this story. Mm. She was enjoying him and being present with him. It's not that there wasn't things that needed to get done, but it was that resting on the inside of knowing like God's got it. Like he did the work and he's sitting down. You know, when he says it's finished in the Bible, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to say it is finished to my to-do list, but it seems like that never happens. But that can dispel our worries when we really understand who God is and who we are in light of him, that we're not slaves or orphans. Like if we accept him, what he's done, we're beloved daughters and we can live from that place of belonging and not having to have it all on our shoulders, that that's what really helped suffocate that worry when I had a proper perspective of who he really is and who I am in light of that. I could live more lighthearted than kind of hunched over from all this, like, it's all up to me. Mm -hmm. So fantastic. Thank you so much for coming and sharing with us. And thank you for writing this book. I feel like there's so much more we could dive into in this book. So if any of this that Katie has shared has resonated with you, you need to go get a copy of Made Like Martha, Good News for the Woman Who Gets Things Done. As always, if you have any question on any topic you'd love for Jesse and I to answer in a future episode, or you just have feedback or suggestions, or you'd love for us to change something or do something different, we love to hear from you. We love your emails. And so you can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 